0: Okay, so our reading this morning is from James 3, verse 1 to 12. Taming the Tongue. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks so much, Sarah. Let me pray. Jesus, let me just give you um, the next few moments of this teaching. We just pray that you will speak to us through your word and that you will convict us where we need to be convicted and encourage us where we need to be encouraged. In your precious name, amen. So it's interesting starting a sermon where the verse says that those who teach will be judged more strictly particularly followed by the reminder that we all stumble. And it's also interesting because in my own experience, I have, um, as I've been teaching, I often have to walk through what I've been teaching on. And so when I had to teach on forgiveness, I had the biggest argument with actually a family member that I'd ever had in my life. And I did not want to forgive them. I wanted to stay on my high horse and never speak to them again. But I had to um, humbly ask them for forgiveness and to forgive them as well. And teaching on the rich fool uh, was preceded by God asking me to give a sacrificial sum of money away. And so I jokingly said to my vicar at the time that I'd actually like to preach on puppies and cupcakes, which was a bit of a throwaway comment. And I landed up ironically, having actually working briefly as a dog trainer, where my daughter pointed out I got to teach on puppies. So God has a sense of humor and words have power. And so preparing for today has also been a bit of an exercise in humility because I have become aware of how easy it is to speak in a way that tears down rather than builds up and how quickly I can speak words over myself that are not in agreement with, God, with what God says about me. And I actually rather agreeing with what the enemy wants me to believe. It's so easy to speak without thinking. And those words reveal so much about what is going on inside of us. There is nothing like spending time meditating on the taming of the tongue to realize just how much my tongue needs taming sometimes. But this teaching is so very important because our words not only reveal what is in our hearts, they also have a dramatic impact on our lives and on the lives of those around us. And I don't think that that is something that we easily grasp or understand the weight of in our current society and even in the church today. Words come so easily, they can bubble out without much thought and they can be used for good or for evil. They can tear people down, and they can build people up. They can gather people together, or they can break groups apart. And James certainly doesn't hold any punches in this part of the, the book. He doesn't really for most of it. Um, and it also follows on, as I said, um, about the, from the bit that Pat's gonna speak on, which is about faith and action and these two bits do actually go together, so we need to kind of see them as part of each other. Just as our actions prove our faith, our words show our true nature. So, why are teachers to be judged more strictly than others? This comes back to the importance of words, because the majority of what anyone does when they teach is to speak And when you teach, you use words that have a profound impact on a large number of people. And we don't need to look too far to see the outcome of leaders or teachers that use words that can cause hatred between between people groups, false teachers who may be leading cults, or ones who teach a theology that is unbiblical or lacking in love. And it seems that in James's time, many people were wanting the seeming privilege of teaching without understanding the responsibility that comes with it. The fact that teachers will be held accountable for the words that they have spoken and will be judged more strictly is a sobering thought as I stand here. So James then goes on and he addresses everyone. And he goes on to say that if we can be perfect in everything we say, then we will be able to keep our whole body in check. And I think that's an interesting thought that our words can have such an impact on our body. That what we say literally controls how we act. Now, my daughter and I have a bit of a hobby and that is that we love to find articles and scientific journals that kind of back up um, what has been written in scripture 2000 years ago. That what is like groundbreaking research now actually was written down so long ago. And this is one of those nuggets. So I had a, did a bit of a Google and here's some of the things I found about words and actions. Scientists have looked at things like our response to pain and found that just hearing positive words means that we actually feel less pain. And in other studies, volunteers had their brains scanned while they were hearing pain-related words. And they found that the negative words caused situational stress and actually contributed to long-term anxiety. Scientists have found that negative words can have a profound effect on our autonomic nervous systems. And that kind of fight and flight also then impacts how we respond and view the world around us. And likewise, positive words can have a really calming effect on our bodies. Words aren't just little sound waves bouncing through the air. They are profoundly powerful things that have an impact in both the natural realm and the spiritual realm, which we will touch on a little bit later. So James uses three metaphors to talk about just how powerful the tongue is, despite its tiny size. And funnily enough, I have first-hand experience of all three. The first two is an illustration of how this tiny little muscle in our body can control so much. And that is, the first bit is the bit in the mouth of a horse. Now, I have been thrown from a horse twice, both times because my brother is a more experienced rider than I am, and he had a fondness for galloping past me. The power of the bit is not in its size, but in its effectiveness. Whoever controls the reins can steer the horse. Whoever can't control the reins flies over the head of the horse and lands in an undignified pile on the floor. My brother was also around with my ship, or should I probably say boat experience. So the first time I ever went sailing on my own, I landed up being in stronger winds than I was capable of managing, and I panicked. I was young in my defense, but I let go of the rope holding the sail and also the rudder. And what happened was the boat landed spinning round and round in circles as the boom flapped dramatically over my head, and I just heard my brother and his friends laughing from the safety of the shore. In that moment, I definitely discovered the difference a rudder makes to controlling the direction of a boat. Without it, as James says, it is completely at the mercy of the winds, it has no control, and it veers recklessly all over the place. I think it's interesting that James mentions both a horse, which can carry a single rider, and a ship, which would have multiple people on it. The tongue doesn't only influence the person speaking, it can also impact those people around it. it. It has both an individual impact and a corporate one. The words we speak, they can change thoughts and perceptions, and they can affect people's choices and actions. But words can also lead whole armies into battle, and as this nation knows, they can rally a nation standing against those armies. If we could control our tongues perfectly, our bodies and even our nations would follow suit. Our words can also destroy. Now, thankfully, sorry, can I just grab some water? (laughs) Thank you. Thankfully, my brother is not behind my experience. Thank you so much, Rachel. My brother is not behind my experience of a forest fire. And now I have nowhere to put this. Oh, that's better. Amazing. So, once again, my brother is not behind my experience of a forest fire, but I am originally from Cape Town. And for those of you who have been to Cape Town may know that the vegetation there is created to burn. And so you add very hot, very dry summers, and just one tiny cigarette butt, and... The whole mountain can be ablaze in a matter of hours. A spark can quickly engulf the side of the mountain, and at times houses have been evacuated, and actually a friend of mine's house was burned. I have driven through roads with burning bushes on either side of my car, which is quite exciting, but it was all started with a single spark. And Israel is just as hot and dry as South Africa is, and a fire spreads just as fiercely and as quickly. James isn't talking about a small fire that is started by a spark. It's a great forest that is on fire. It's a lot of devastation, and our tongues are capable of the same. I think we underestimate just how much damage our words can do and just how much power they carry. The fact that James goes on to say that the tongue, is, the tongue not only corrupts the body, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. That shows that the consequences of the tongue are long-lasting. And so how would the tongue set someone's life on fire? A small comment could start an argument that then gets out of hand. An inappropriate conversation with a co-worker could be all that is needed to start an inappropriate relationship. I wonder how many sins start because of words, and how many seemingly insignificant small choices or sins then lead to more poor choices, which is why the tongue is a world of evil or unrighteousness hell itself sets our tongues on fire. Now the enemy is known as the father of lies. He used lies and words from the dawn of man to bring chaos and destruction. And in our sinful state, words aren't just occasionally unfortunate, they are actually empowered by hell. So Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. When we speak, we choose to speak words of life or words of death. Or to put it in another way, when we speak, we choose to come into agreement with what God is saying, which is life-giving, or we choose to come into agreement with what the enemy is saying, and we know that he comes to kill, steal, or destroy. So what does coming into agreement with the enemy actually look like? And I imagine that not many of us actively lie or viciously attack someone. And so it's easy to read this and think, well, I'm not setting a forest on fire, I'm a good person. And that's why it's important to hear what James is saying. When he says that no human can tame the tongue, we can all choose to speak words that cause harm or healing. And every time we speak, we choose. And in our own strength, how often do we make the right choice? What are we choosing when we criticize someone? Why do we find it that much harder to encourage and build someone up and so much easier to judge or tease someone? James says that the tongue is a restless evil full of poison. And I certainly can find it so easy to find fault with myself particularly, but other people as well. And this is what I believe that James is getting at when he says that we can tame any animal on the planet, but we can't tame our tongues. Because we don't just have to contend with our own fallen nature, which makes it easy to speak out of a place of pain or judgment, we also live in a dual reality of the natural world and the spiritual world. And the demonic will take every opportunity it can to tear down a human and to bring their spirit Um, And to break their spirit, sorry. And it doesn't matter whether that's a small chip or a large fracture. It's all moving towards the same goal, to bring destruction to humanity. If no human can tame the tongue, then who does hold the reins and the rudder? And James goes from speaking generally about how powerful words are and that in our broken and sinful nature we cannot control what we say to focusing on brothers and sisters, in other words, believers, and how there's this dichotomy between how we can praise our Father in heaven in one breath and curse the very people our Father created in the next. And the word curse, it isn't the Greek for swearing, it is to condemn someone to wish them to be cut off from blessing. It is actively wishing ill of someone. And again, I don't think there are many people these days who would actively and consciously curse someone, but it is definitely commonplace to hear someone say that someone is a fool or an idiot or a loser or that they wish they'd just go to hell or other things that really we, I cannot say in this context. And cursing is speaking in a way that speaks or condemns or criticizes someone. It's judging another person or mocking them, um, which might be another example. And this is a hard one, but how many times have we done that while sitting in a church service or after walking out of one? Instead of finding the gold in someone and recognizing the beauty that they carry, the gifts that God placed in them we can look for the negative, the perceived lack of their character, or where their problems lie. And we can do that minutes after standing in worship and praising the very being that created them. And it doesn't matter if we speak directly to someone's face or behind their back. In that breath, we are revealing what is in our heart. We're either coming into agreement with what the father of lies is saying, or we're coming into agreement with their Heavenly Father. And I don't know about you, but I find that profoundly challenging. With every part of my being, I want to praise and glorify God, and to bring Jesus the honor he deserves. And that desire is not just for Sunday, but for every single day. And the words that I choose reveal my heart. And that brings us to James's final two metaphors. You can't get olives from a fig tree and figs from a grapevine, and a salt pond can't produce fresh water. If our hearts are broken and full of pain and and sin, then the words we speak cannot produce love and life and abundance. And all of our hearts are just a bit broken and hard. James references Jesus' teaching in so much of this letter, and in this instance, he is referring to Jesus saying that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we carry inside of us is what we speak into the world around us. And what we speak has a profound effect on ourselves and on those around us. Whatever we are carrying inside us is what comes out when we speak and our words reveal our true nature. Fresh, clean water doesn't suddenly pour out of a salty water source. If our hearts are salty, then we will produce salty words. So my son, hearing this analogy this week, said that the water would have to be purified first, and I'm not sure how he realized just how profound his comment was. So James then leaves us hanging and changes the subject, and this quite challenging passage ends. And he's expecting his readers to catch this larger theme, which is that those who trust God will begin to be changed and will make different choices. And thankfully, there is enough in scripture for us to know that the story doesn't end with us being condemned to live lives of hurtful words and unstable, uncontrollable tongues. We have Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us. And by receiving Him and allowing His Spirit, to do a continuing work in us, he begins and continues to purify our hearts. Jesus is the fresh living water that brings abundant life that we can speak and release with our voices. We can surrender to his leading and let him take the reins and the rudder and control our tongues. With our words, we can partner with the kingdom of heaven and speak life and love and healing to this very broken world. With the power of the Spirit, we can put out the fires that the enemy tries to use to cause harm, and we can speak redemption and hope into the very burned and broken places that we find ourselves in. And when we slip up and partner with the wrong spirit and maybe say something hurtful over ourselves or harmful to someone else, we can quickly repent and ask for forgiveness. We can choose to change our words and say something that agrees with what God is wanting to do. And I actually had to do that this week when I told my prayer partner that I was no good at something and thankfully she was quite happy to point out uh, when my words or thinking needs correcting, she does it quite often, and she immediately told me to repent of what I was saying, which I did. The more that we're aware of how our words can impact our minds and our bodies and our lives, how much sticks and stones are nothing compared to the power of words and how they can break someone but also that words can be a source of encouragement and life, that words can join in with the sound of heaven and bring hope and joy and peace, then we will start to see real change in our lives, in the lives of our families and our friends, in the life of this church and also in the society that we live in. By allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, to bring living water into our lives, And by speaking Jesus' words to the people around us, we can bring heaven to earth. Let me pray.